Hello everybody. This is part three of Dead or Alive. It's um, a series I'm doing on uh, talking about whether we have religion that's dead or religion that's alive. And we want to have religion that's alive, not dead religion. So it's been really good to go through these things that Jesus said about dead religion. And so we can look at ourselves. We can always learn. We can always uh, check ourselves out to make sure that we haven't slipped into something that's not, not healthy and that's not alive. A live religion brings life to yourself and brings life to other people. Dead religions brings rules and regulations and burdens and it's nitpicky and it's prideful. So we want to have a religion that's full of love and compassion and mercy and that is alive and will, will help people. So, um, as I've said, it's always intrigued me that the most religious people in Jesus's day, the ones who taught the law, the ones who followed the law, um, were the group of dead religious people, but they were the ones who were waiting and hoping and believing for the promised Messiah, but they couldn't even recognize him because they were so spiritually dead. So we've been going through the book of Matthew to see how many times Jesus confronted dead religion in this group of religion called the Pharisee, the group of religious people called the Pharisees. They had uh, all every outward sign of being alive religiously, but on the inside they were dead. Jesus said they were dead. So um, we, the reason that we're looking at this is so that we can avoid the same pitfalls because there are things that are really common to mankind that we can fall into. So we want to always be watching ourselves. So we have gone through the book of Matthew, Matthew and now we're on Matthew 23. Um, so um, almost the whole chapter of Matthew 23 is Jesus addressing this group of people called the Pharisees and talking to them about their dead religion. So uh, let's pick up at verse 14. Now verse 14 is um, in some Bibles like the King James and the New King James, but it's not really in the original text of the, the Greek original text of the New Testament. But um, I'm going to include it here because the same thing is um, recorded in, um, let's see, in Luke 20. So um, Luke uh, 20, 47. So here we go, Matthew 23, 14. And if you don't see it in your Bible, that's the reason why. So it says, woe to you, Pharisees, Wait, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. So we can see here that Pharisees, people with dead religion, take advantage of hurting and lonely people. And for more information on that, you can listen to Pastor Terry's message on giving gimmicks that he gave a couple of weeks ago. People who do giving gimmicks a lot of times take advantage of widows, uh, people who are lonely, and people who are hurting. And when you take advantage of people like that, Jesus calls you a hypocrite. And it also said that these people um, did said long prayers. They were really into making a show of prayer. And in doing that, they were just pretending that they were righteous, but they really weren't. Jesus spoke more about this, these long prayers in um, Matthew 18. So I'm going to read that little section because it's, it really gives insight into what Jesus was talking about. 
uh, Luke 18, verse 9, it says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. So he's talking about people who were confident in their own uh, righteousness. They were were self-righteous and they looked down on everyone else. Well, pride does that. So Jesus told this parable. Verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So we see here that Jesus was saying that the the, um, person that was confident in their own righteousness, um, the Pharisee, was exalting himself. And eventually he was going to be humbled by the mighty hand of God. And the, the person that the Pharisee would look down on and call a sinner, he humbled himself and went before the Lord in prayer and asked God for mercy. And the Bible says that he would be exalted. So we find out here that the hypocrites, the religious people who had dead religion, the Pharisees were self-centered and they looked down on others. They were self-righteous and full of pride. So we need to be sure that those qualities are never in our hearts. And that would not be good to have those qualities in our hearts. Let me see. I messed up my pages here. I need to find page number two. Oh, here it is. Okay, we're on Matthew 23, verse 15. It says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. So what he's taught, what Jesus is talking about there is the Pharisees were very ambitious and aggressive at getting converts uh, to follow the Jewish law, the Jewish traditions, and all the rules and regulations that the Pharisees thought were important. So the Pharisees won converts. They were really, really good at it. But then they made the converts as ungodly as they were. You know, we knew a man who had a reputation of being a big soul winner, um, and evidently he he won many people to the Lord, but on the other hand, he was just a wet blanket to so many people in their zeal for God. Uh, A group of teens uh, was going to share the gospel using a float in the Fenton Day Parade, in our local Fenton Day Parade, and they were going to use a 70s theme, and the man got so upset that there was going to be a peace symbol on the float that he just sucked the life out of people and, and made the whole affair just a drain on people. Uh, uh, the people that wanted to get involved in sharing the gospel, it was like, you know, a heavy burden was placed on him. Well, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. And so... That just uh, was typical of a Pharisee when people are trying to do good. Uh, a Pharisee will find all kinds of rules and regulations and traditions that aren't even in the Bible that uh, they try to oppress people with. Well, that man was against Christmas trees and he was against all kinds of other things. 
So we need to be careful that we're not against so many things that we, we just aren't bringing life to people. So, and this verse also shows that if you are associated with a person who's dead spiritually, religiously, has dead religion, you are in the danger of becoming hypocrite yourself because that'll rub off on you. Uh, verse 16, it says, Woe to you blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by this temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold in this temple, he was he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that which makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears on it and by the one who dwells on it. In it, And he who swears by the heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Oh my gosh, <laughs> these are more rules and regulations that the Pharisees had thought up, traditions that they had uh, ha had passed down to them. And what a mess, <laughs> what a mess it was. So these Pharisees, they were nitpicky. They had all kinds of rules and regulations and traditions that didn't make any any sense. And they were just oppressing people and Jesus said that they were blind and they were blind guides. The next verse is verse 23. It says, woe to you. Now I don't want Jesus saying woe to me because <laughs> that's not a good thing. It means things aren't going to be going good for you. It says, woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Well, these Pharisees, they were really good at tithing down to just their, their spices and their herbs. Can you imagine trying to tithe on mint and dill and cumin, things that usually, usually have really small amounts of compared to other things. But the uh, Pharisees were, were going to do everything down just basically to the to the tenth grain of sand, but they completely forgot things like love and mercy, mercy, justice, faithfulness. And uh, Jesus called them blind and he called them hypocrites. In our, our, in our generation, uh, we would call it can't see the forest for the trees. So can you imagine, imagine the tediousness of this for the Pharisees, but they found great joy and, and great honor and great pride in, in their tithing. And verse 25, it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Clean the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside, it, but on the inside they are full of greed and indulgence. indulgence. You blind Pharisee, First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also would will be clean. See, it's more important to have the inside of us, our hearts, right and pure before the Lord, and then the outside will naturally follow. You know, the Pharisees were only uh, concerned with the out, outward purity of their heart, the things that people could see, because um, the, how people thought of them was very important to them. 
They weren't concerned about the purity of their heart. And Jesus said that they cleaned the outside, but the insides of their hearts were full of wickedness. So we don't want uh, our hearts to be like that. An example of that is that the fellow I was speaking about before, he made it very well known that he lived a holy life. You know, you can't have peace symbols. You can't have Christmas trees. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do the other thing. But that same man was full of judgment. He was full of gossip. He was full of disloyalty and betrayal. So that wasn't good. He was clean on the outside, or so he thought, but on the inside, he was not, he was stinky. <laughs> and again, in verse 27, again and again, we see Jesus saying the same thing. Woe to you, teachers of the law you and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You were like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the, in the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. You know, we know if we go to a cemetery and we see a monument that is just shining and clean and has been kept up really well, still the same thing is on the inside, dead men's bones. And that's the way it was with these Pharisees. They were just full of dead men's bones, full of dead religion. And we see here in this chapter, um, over and over again, we hear Jesus calling them hypocrites. And what that means is an actor. It's used by Jesus 15 times in regards to the Pharisees in the book, book of Matthew and seven times alone in, in chapter 23. So these guys were some pretty bad dudes. So hypocrite is used over and over again by Jesus to describe people who have dead religion. It reminds me of some people, you know, I can think of two separate incidents when people came to Pastor Terry and said that, you know, this person is saying something really bad about you. And Pastor Terry would say, well, who is it? And they said, oh, well, we can't tell you who's gossiping about you and telling these lies about you because they might not tell me any more, you know, gossip. <laughs> and so it's really bizarre what people will reveal and the things that they say. But, you know, these people, both of these people were leaders, um, one in a, in a ministerial organization and one was in a, a church leader and <clears throat> people respected them and thought they were very spiritual and uh, thought they must be pretty, pretty darn good if they achieved that status. But on the inside, they were filthy, dirty. So we need to be careful what we're doing with our hearts because it eventually will come out. Verse 29, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our forefathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. So the Pharisees are saying, you know, well, if we lived in the time of Isaiah, we wouldn't have had him killed. Or if we lived in the time of Jeremiah, we would not have him killed. In verse uh, 31, it says, So you testify against yourself that you are descendants of those who murdered the prophets. So Jesus is saying, you know, you're the, you're the descendants of the people that murdered the prophets. And it says, fill up then the measure of the sin of your forefathers. Oh boy, these Pharisees and their ancestors built tombs for the prophets to honor them. 
and said they honored them, but at the same time, they were involved in their death. And, and they couldn't see that. But now these same uh, Pharisees that were saying they would never do anything like that were doing the exact same thing by planning uh, the arrest and the murder of Jesus. They were planning on tricking and trapping and killing the greatest prophet of all time, Jesus Christ. So here is another sign of their hypocrisy. In verse 33, it says, You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? And Jesus was saying this of the most religious people of the day, that they were going to hell. It's because they put their faith in their own righteousness, in their own rules and laws and traditions instead of Jesus Christ. 34, it says, Therefore I am sending you prophets and wise men and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And we know that Saul did exactly this. He was a Pharisee and he hunted down Christians. He had them beaten, he had them imprisoned, and he had them killed. So we know at least one Pharisee was doing exactly that. And thank God that he got saved. Verse 35, And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. I tell you the truth, all this will come upon this generation. So he's telling uh, the Pharisees that every prophet that's been killed ever since Abel, the responsibility is going to lay on their heads. That's not good. And because of their hypocrisy, they are condemned to hell and responsible for the death of every righteous man who ever lived. This reveals how Jesus feels about hypocrites. And this ought to tell us so much that we need to watch out for hypocrisy in our own lives. And I think we're all guilty of that sometime, you know, maybe once a day or once a month or once a week, whatever. But we, we all have to deal with this from time to time because we have flesh to deal with. Verse 37, it says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing. We can see here that God loves these people. He loves people who are hypocrites, but he doesn't love their attitudes or their deeds, and he's going to hold them responsible unless they repent like, like Saul did. So we can see in chapter 23, oh my gosh, <laughs> that Jesus had a great deal to say about those who are very religious, but their religion is dead. Probably no one had ever confronted these Pharisees before. So uh, they were really faced with the truth, but they rejected the truth again and again. Matthew 26, verse 3. It says, then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they plotted to arrest Jesus in some sly way and kill him. Isn't that terrible? But not during the feast. Why? Because they were religious people with dead religion. They were afraid that there could be a riot among the people. So, um, 
they were basically saying, we've got to keep this religious tradition. And when we're done with this religion, religious tradition, we're going to get him killed. Oh my gosh. Um, reminds me of people who feel it is important to get to church and be in the service and feel like it is equally important to meet up with people afterwards and, and complain about their pastor or talk bad about others in the church. They know that doing this in the church service would be wrong, but it's not wrong as soon as they get out of church. And those are religious people with dead religion who think it's, think it's okay to do that when they're off the church property, but they won't do it on the church properly because they're going to act religious and holy on the outside, but inside are dead men's bones. Matthew 26, verse 59. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. Isn't that terrible? They were, look, they were looking for lies. They were looking for lies. And as a pastor, I cannot tell you how many times the people have lied about myself and my husband. Um, after a while, at first it hurts, and after a while it just gets kind of funny, the silly things that people come up with. And the saddest thing is not that people lie, it's that other people actually believe their lies and spread <laughs> and repeat it. Um, it's just really sad, but they did it about, they did it to Jesus. So we can see right here that they were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. And if you're, if you're a Christian, if you're a church person and you're looking for, uh, ways to, uh, blaspheme or, or, uh, talk bad about your pastor to destroy him or out some other Christian, you have dead religion and you need to repent. So in verse 60, it says, but they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. So people lied. And verse 67, then they spit in his face and struck him with their fist. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Christ, who will hit you? So people with dead religion feel like they can justify violence against others. At one prayer meeting we had, someone prayed that God would smite the evil, and then he listed a group of people, that God would smite the evil so-and-sos. God is not in that business. We don't see that in the New Testament at all. God sent his only begotten son because he loved the world so much. He loved every group of people. He loved sinners. He loved people who were self-righteous. He loved every class of people, every every race of people, every social status of people. And when we pray for God to kill people or destroy them, we are not operating in the spirit of love. We're not operating like God. We're operating like these Pharisees who Jesus had strong words for. So we need to be careful that uh, we don't do that in you can, you can judge yourself. If you're spiritually alive, if you have a live religion, you're going to be praying for people's souls, uh, that they would be saved, that God would minister to them, not that God would destroy them. Even your worst enemies, the think, people that you think are the most horrible, horrible people in the whole world, you're going to be praying for their salvation and for their forgiveness. Matthew 27, verse 1. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people came to the decision to put Jesus to death. So we see the religious people 
came to this decision to put Jesus to death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Isn't that sad? Then verse 20, uh, chapter 27, verse 20. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barnabas and destroy, and destroy Jesus. Here we go again. Pharisees will turn people against the man of God. Um, if you ever hear something negative about someone, be very, very careful. It may be a lie. And if you believe it and you repeat it to someone else, uh, and you're, you know, it destroys somebody, you're responsible for that. Even if, even if you just heard it from somebody else and you pass it along, um, there's probably at least a 50% chance that you're passing on a lie and you need to be careful about that. In verse 21, the governor answered and said to them, which of the two of you want me to release, uh, which of the two, uh, oh, I'm sorry, which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And they all said to him, let him be crucified. And that crowd included the Pharisees. They were spurred on by the Pharisees. They were formed by the Pharisees. So the Pharisees are very destructive people. They look very religious. They look very holy, but they're very destructive. Verse 27, those who passed by hurled insults at him, talking about Jesus on the cross. Those who passed by Jesus hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you are going, you were, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. And verse 41, in the same way, the chief priest, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. So these are religious people. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now that he now if he wants him, for he said, I am the Son of God. So we see the compassion that the Pharisees had no compassion. Jesus was hanging on the cross and dying. The Pharisees had no compassion. They were ugly, evil men on the inside. So we need not be like that. And as I said before, a good example of the Pharisees was Saul. He was going around uh, hunting, imprisoning, and torturing, and killing Christians. But he gave his life to the Lord. He repented. And you might think, well, you know, that can't possibly happen to a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, one who knows the word of God. But I encourage you to read the book of Galatians. Paul wrote this letter to several churches in uh, the province of Galatia. They had fallen into the same pitfall, which is really unfortunate. They had become like the Pharisees, compelling Christians to perform certain traditions and rituals to, to be really saved. These people included, now get this, <laughs> these people included the Apostle Peter and Barnabas. Barnabas and the Apostle Peter had become like the Pharisees. They should have known that salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone 
and not faith in Jesus Christ, plus this tradition and that tradition and this ceremony and that ceremony. Salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. In Galatians 2.13, Paul called Peter and Barnabas hypocrites. If Peter, who was physically around Jesus for three and a half years, and who preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved, if he can slip into this, so can we. So we always need to be on our guard. And one of the hallmarks of the Pharisees is that they could not see their own sin. They could not see it. The Bible, Jesus called them blind, 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 and they refused to repent. So if you haven't repented for anything in, in quite a while, you might check up and see if you're prideful or if you can't see your own sin because Jesus calls us to repent. So we need to check and see if we're ever like a Pharisee in our heart. If there is, if you ever feel that way, there is hope for you. All we have to do is repent and come to Jesus and tell him that we're sorry. And, and there's a really good prayer in, in Psalm 51, 10. It says, create in me a clean heart, a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And sometimes we just need to do that every day. Just, just create in me a clean and, and pure heart, Lord God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Just check up on yourself. Am I full of love and compassion toward all men? Or am I judgmental and prideful and arrogant and, and me, me, me? And, you know, if I'm praying that people would be destroyed, then, then we need to check up on ourselves and, re, and repent. So in James 1, 27, to close, um, he gives us a clue at what real true religion is. It says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And that's a good scripture to meditate on. You know, are we caring for the poor? Are we caring for the needy? Are we compassionate toward people? And does our compassion, is our compassion more than just a feeling? Are we really helping people? And are we walking a pure and holy life both for the Lord? That's what the Lord wants us to do. Not a bunch of man-made rules and regulations, but to be following the word of God with a humble and pure heart and uh, just with humility following the Lord. So I just ask you to think about these things, ponder these things, read these scriptures, and, and just consider how many times Jesus addressed dead religion and, and the Pharisees and hypocrites and just look at your own life and see if there's any areas in your own life that maybe you need to repent. So I just uh, say God bless you, and I hope you have a great evening. Bye-bye.